Okay, hello, welcome to episode 127 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, this is Owen coming to you solo today because Wong is at a 49ers game. And uh, I'm just going to check that score right now. I believe they were losing pretty badly. Let's check real quick. Yeah, 49ers. Never been on this page before. Oh, yeah, 31 to 17. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Niners now three and five. Interesting. Oh, and four at home. Wow, that uh, that must suck for Niners fans who you know go all the way out there to actually watch this shit. But uh, yeah, um, prayers up to Fong because he did not have a good experience. Although I will say I don't know if he would be any happier um, watching the game, watching the Kings play against the Pacers today because unfortunately the Kings do lose a do lose tonight against the Pacers a very it's a very ugly game um the final score was 94 91 and you know we've been used to seeing like in king and games king's games in particular they're always like above 100 so overall very tough game neither team really shot well pacers shot you know just under 45 percent and not great it's okay but kings shoot only 39 point 36.9 and 29% from three. Pacers weren't exactly any better from three. They were actually worse, but I'm going to bring up that percentage um, or the Kings' percentage, the 37%, because the Pacers have an incredible rim protector in Miles Turner. And for much of the game, like he just was not letting anyone get into his house. He owned that paint. And yeah, it was just there was just no easy buckets around the rim, and you know guys can collapse, and it just was not. It was just it was just a tough get game for like drivers, and particularly like De'Aaron Fox, who really couldn't get going inside, unfortunately. Um, although he did have a few mid ranges, and I'll get to the one he, um, I'll get to the one more crucial one later, but. They have such a luxury in Miles Turner, and also the luxury of not have the Kings don't really have a big man that can actually pull him away from the rim, and so he was just you know, yeah, he was just you know pitching a tent down there and just waiting for anyone to get in there to try and score over him. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough one, and you know the the other theme of this game, Kings did not shoot well from three either. Um, again, only twenty nine percent from three, ten for thirty four. The only guy who really had any success was Buddy Heald, and a little bit of Tyrese Halliburton, three for six for Tyrese, uh, five for twelve for uh, Buddy Heald. But like during the third quarter, when we were making our comeback, when you know Buddy Heald was drilling threes, it, it felt like he was just as likely to, you know, he was keeping us in the game. He really was. But at the same time, I just had the feeling he was going to shoot us out of the game <laughs> as well. But, you know, he was, he overall has been really good lately, I think, in my opinion, just because there are just droughts that the Kings go through and and you just need a, a guy who will just launch shots, you know, get open and launch shots. And he that's what he did. And he per, he's been providing what the what the Kings need and just like scoring when the starters just don't have it. And for a lot of the games, starters just didn't have it. Uh, first quarter, they I don't remember the exact numbers, but they came out like to. Had a, I think they were trailed by as much as 13 in the first. And then to op they were trailing, let's see, I have it written down here. They were only trailing 48, 45, 43 at, uh, at halftime. Uh, so the third quarter starts, they give up a, they basically give up a, what, 
just an 8-0 run right off the bat, you know, basically, you know, digging themselves into a 13-point hole. Starters just didn't really have it, but again, a lot of that is credit to the uh, Pacers' defense. They crowded the lane, and Miles Turner just shows you that that's his house down there. Like, he is an incredible rim protector, and that's a, I mean, you know, if they're willing to trade him, like, Kings should really call about him and see what they what they would take um, for us to get a Miles Turner because he's one he's a he's a huge luxury that they have a, a big man that can protect the rim and shoot three he's basically what a lot of people think Jaron Jackson is and Jaron Jackson is good but he's not as good as Miles Turner but anyways um g going into the fourth Kings go Kings kind of go on a run to actually take the lead but uh, Pacers were able to kind of weather the storm and kind of come back. It, it boils down to a two-point game late. Um, Kings have ball. Uh, De'Aaron Fox drives, takes a mid-range shot. A lot of people had issues with him taking jumpers this game. I didn't have an issue with that mid-range shot. You know, I like his mid-range. You know, he's pretty good at it. He misses it, leads to a jump ball. Uh, out of time, out of a timeout. It's a weird play that they, I don't even know what they were running. The Kings were running. Kings run a play. It seems to be a little bit botched, but basically no one is open. So Halliburton um, gets it to gets it to Rashawn in a pretty nice play where basically Rashawn passes it right back to Halliburton, who launches it from about 30 feet and just misses. And it actually airballs pretty badly. But I I didn't mind those two shots by Fox and uh, Halliburton. They were open. They honestly like the 30 footer from Halliburton. I actually have trust in that. But, you know, it's too bad. The Kings could lose a tough one. Um, you look at the stats, one thing that, of course, sticks out, like, overall, the Kings actually did pretty well. They they didn't, sh like, uh, Pacers shot better from the floor, and but the Kings were better from three and better from the free throw line. But one thing that really sticks out, 54 rebounds to 33 rebounds for the, um, so, yeah, the Pacers at 54, the Kings at 33. And it's it's a theme um, with uh, the, the Pacers uh, or the Pacers. It's a theme with Kings' losses. They get out rebounded and they shoot poorly. What both and in this game, both of those happened, and it was a three-point game. So yeah, there's some. I guess there's some stuff to take away from it. Um, I, I don't. I guess like it's good to have like the kings did play the reason why they were in was that they played good defense they forced a lot of turnovers they forced uh what is it 19 turnovers from from the uh from from the pacers and yeah like they played good defense and let on runs i just hope that like this effort was overall a little bit more consistent and you know talking about defense like one guy that unfortunately sticks out for me was just De'Aaron on defense De'Aaron wasn't great on offense. He, you know, 7 for 19, not a great night. Kind of had your, unfortunately, what has become a typical De'Aaron stat line nowadays. 7 for 19, 17 points. Unfortunately, did not get to the free throw line. But again, as I mentioned, they had a they had a beast down there in <laughs> Miles Turner. So it just it was just tough to come by. You know, he had a very typical uh, De'Aaron stat line. Um, but the main thing with him was just how bad his defense was at times. Like, you know, it, I guess it sticks out even more because Davion on, is on this team. During the stretch where the Pacers were kind of blowing out the Kings, uh, the, 
it was Karis LeVert and TJ McConnell that essentially led that charge. TJ McConnell is one of the most annoying players I've ever seen. Kind of that, you know, that hustle guy who knows he's not as athletic as you, but plays, but he plays with more heart than you and just does the little things. I know I listen to a lot of, uh, you know, he's not only really athletic anymore, but he's with the ringer, a big was like big was seems to hate TJ McConnell because he's the type of arcade. He's the archetype of player that a lot of uh, NBA Twitter loves, and I can see why. You know, he hustles, he goes out, he just, he just uh, annoying on defense. You know, he plays with a lot of hustle and just intensity. And then on offense, anything you get from him on offense is just a bonus. And he scored 18 points this game. And there, I counted at least two drives where he just blew right by De'Aaron like it was nothing. And... You know, you can live. I, 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 you can, you can live with De'Aaron having a bad game, or like a subpar game for his standards, if he's playing tough defense on the other end as well. And this, and in this game, it just was not good at all. And then you con, you contrast that with how Davion puts puts um, T.J. McConnell in an absolute in absolute hell when he's guarding T.J. McConnell. Like it just sticks out. You just can't. Again, you can't have that bad of an off- offensive game. Or again, a subpar offensive game, and just be so bad on defense. Um, let's go. Let's talk about Davion Mitchell. Um, so, Karis Levert uh, basically just like lit it up in the third. Like that's how they um, got that 13-point lead, and actually led for much of the third. Karis Levert was just on fire, and I was actually kind of confused, like why Luke didn't put in uh, put in Davion Mitchell early. But as soon as Davion Mitchell checked in later in the third quarter. He put him in what I call the Mitchell Penitentiary. Like he just he did not have he, the only shot he got was one post up like that um that he just shot over Davion and that was it. Everything else he it was just he couldn't really dribble past him. He couldn't really dribble around him. He couldn't bully him to the rim. It, like Mi- Davion Mitchell is which is probably a top five defender in the league right now. Like the way he's able to just stop a guy from dribbling to be able to get around screen they the only way they ever got open was like try to screen him and it's not exactly easy to screen him either he gets around those pretty well too it just he just pretty much locked him up in that quarter and or like for that portion and finally cooled down Karis Levert Karis Levert amazingly only only scored 22 points it felt like he had like 30 like that's how you know someone is like you know ultra hot and he was um during the game I'm going back to TJ McConnell again. He hit, he hit some really like pretty pretty crazy not crazy. He had some like crazy layups that I was like, how did he make that? And also again the blow buys that it just lets it easy layups for like while being guarded by guys like De'Aaron, unfortunately. Like he he was the king's killer this game. Like you know we let's bring back that term. Like he was the king's killer. He. He's crafty as well. He's not you're just he's not like he's not your no skill player. He's got some skill to him, and he has that little short pull up. And yeah, tonight was just his game, and a lot of it was just unfortunately like you had De'Aaron or Buddy on him, and he just and you know he just didn't feel him at all. And that's that's an issue that the Kings need to address, like defensive intensity of of the uh, 
team of the starters. It just doesn't seem to be enough from from uh, from De'Aaron. Like Tyrese, it is what it is. His on-ball defense is really poor, but like his off-ball defense, I feel is really good. Although it's happened multiple times, where at least once a game he gets he gets beat back door, like by a guy when he's guarding a guy in the corner, he gets beat back door. And just gives up a dunk or a layup. He needs to work on those, but like he's good for at least one pick six layup a game. So I'm I'm willing to live with what Halliburton does with you know with his activity and his long arms and just basketball IQ. But what but what does need to be better is just uh, De'Aaron's defense. It's just you can't let a guy like T.J. McConnell score on you so easily. You know, like you're one of the you're one of the quickest players in the league. You need to be able to keep him front a little bit better than you did. Um. Overall, like I don't mind this game as much. De'Aaron does eventually. I've eventually, eventually, I believe he will start to wake up. But as it stands right now, like the Kings do need him. Like Barnes, Barnes didn't shoot well this game, but like he did, he was able to contribute nine for eleven from the free throw line. Like there's, there are ways to get into the lane to draw free throws that De'Aaron that can work for De'Aaron. But De'Aaron just needs to work a little bit more in the mid range. And just honestly stop jacking up as many threes. He only shot three this game. He didn't make one. There was one three where he took, I honestly thought it was okay. But like, he needs to hunt for better shots. Like, at this point, like, his, his shooting just isn't there. What is he shooting for the year from three? It's I know it's pretty terrible. Um, Let me see. Let's check his stats. Yeah, he's shooting a grand. Oh, he's shooting 17.8% from three. It's just not there this this year, and so he's just gonna need to find a way to affect the game um, uh, in another way. Um, otherwise, overall, it was a, it was just a tough game that the Kings the Kings had chances to win, but they need to do the little things better. They need to you know get more rebounds and and also <clears throat> what was the other thing I need? Yeah, they need to get more rebounds and. You know, just find a way to attack the mid-range a little bit more. Ironically, like the the Pacers just—I mean, like with a again—they had a really good rim protector back there uh, in Miles Turner that just basically made everything around the rim hard. But they and then when you have a when you have a guy back there, you know, the the on-ball defenders can actually um, can actually defend your shots a lot better. Like they can get up and get it all up in you. So it's it's tough for the Kings. Credit to their defense. Their record is not as bad as it looks. Um, Pacers are four and seven right now. They lost a few really close ones. So they are a lot better team than what their record looks. It wasn't it wasn't going to be an easy game. And ultimately, like I don't mind this loss because there there's a lot of good things from the Kings. Like they play good defense. They took their ball decently well. I mean, I, I, no, not a, not great to look at, but only 12 turnovers, and they got 20 assists as opposed to the uh, Pacers only 13. Like they moved the ball well, but there were times where like the ball just kind of stops, and they need they need Halliburton and Fox out there at all times because that was there was a stretch of just really bad uh, basketball um, from from the Kings, and you know, unfortunately, it ends it usually ends with Buddy handling the ball a little too much. So they need Halliburton or uh, Fox in there at all times. But 
you know, ultimately, I think, uh, I think again, a overall good game. Unfortunately, we lost it at the end. We had chances to win it, but it's not the end of the world. Like how I don't know why Kings fans freak out every time. And maybe this is the norm. Uh, but I've been following a lot more Kings fans on Twitter, and they are just—they're—they're uh, they're not fun to read. I'll just say it's just—it gets into you. That hatred gets into you. That negativity. That keep that shit away from me. You know, like, man. Anyways, um, so that is it for the king section. Um, I guess I'll quickly, you know, since this is a solo pod, I do have an opportunity to talk a little bit more about random stuff, random stuff that Fong's not really into. Um, so one thing uh, that I didn't mention many episodes ago uh, that I started watching a Game of Thrones. Uh, I am currently on season eight. I think it's actually been about two months since I started watching. Two or three months. I don't remember. But uh, I am now on season eight, and uh, I guess you know. Oh, by the way, spoiler warning, of course, to be said. I'll put that in timestamp. Don't worry. But uh, just want to quickly get some thoughts out about the final season so far. I am currently on episode one. Uh, I haven't haven't had time to actually watch it because I've been busy. But uh, you know, it's overall like I've loved the series. Like you know, very. There's been a lot of. Uh, you know, in, in very intriguing characters. Like, of course, Tarion, number one, just the, the best, most interesting character. Uh, you know, he's my favorite character. Um, one guy that did was one of my favorite characters, although I've kind of turned on him. Jon Snow has really kind of soured on me. That final scene in season seven where he, well, not the final scene, but one, the scene where he's negotiating um, with Cersei and doesn't... Uh, basically doesn't bend the knee essentially doesn't make a false promise to get the army that was really annoying and it was just it's just so uh like i get the idea he's an honorable man he doesn't he lives by his morals and he also said like what is there to live live for when when words have no meaning or honor behind them at the same time i'm just sitting here you stupid fuck (laughs) Why do you have your and he even mentions it like Ned Stark died because he was an honest man and you're gonna follow in his footsteps with guys in King's Landing like you need some armies you don't have the foot soldiers to fight the White Walkers and you go in there to go all act all high and mighty trying to be all honorable like you know I, I may I may not have armies but I have my honor. Do you know what the White Walkers don't have? They don't have honor, so we... And we are going to fight them with our honor and die honorably. That kind of bullshit. I'm just... I'm so done with that kind of archetype. And I don't know... I don't know yet. I, I have heard that Season 8 it does end... It does have a pretty shit ending for the most part, at least from what I've... Well, the, the, the stuff that I've read. I've not been completely spoiled. I don't really know what happens just yet. But like it it's kind it might it feels like the kind of the downturn of some of some of the writing because i've heard that george r martin i think it's george r martin right let me just check real quick don't want to get that wrong let me see george r r martin two so my bad two r's 
like it's it, I don't I hope it's not an omen of where the writing starts to kind of drop off because that's the kind of shit that you you see in a lot of like you see in a lot of other series one of the I mean Game of Thrones has a great writing so far and you know it's unfortunate like that it probably ends in a bit of a dud as at least from what I've heard but like it it seems to be a bad omen of like when the writing starts to drop off a little bit um overall i'm still kind of excited to just be there for the ride and yeah uh if you guys were wondering i've watched i watched the red wedding and couldn't sleep uh the next night so that was a thing now, by the way i actually knew it was it was coming but it still hit hard and that and this credits to how good the series has been and uh yeah i'm glad to finally finish it and probably move on to another series afterwards uh probably i'm deciding between demon slayer or succession It'll probably end up being succession, honestly. Because part of me is a uh, part of me doesn't want to doesn't want to watch <laughs> uh, Demon Slayer. I don't know why, but season two is coming out soon, so I should probably catch up on that. I don't know. But one last thing about uh, Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, uh, you know, one of the characters, one of my favorite characters, uh, just you know, Lady Olena, the Queen of Thorns, but I would call her the Queen of Spice. I I know it doesn't have the same ring to it, but boy, she is spicy. Just some, just the most witty, most kind of <laughs> the biggest, the best burns in the entire series. Like better than Tyrion, because Tyrion is not a disrespectful man. He's a very clever man. But uh, Lady Olena, she's basically your judgmental. I don't want to say racist, but like he—he's your—he's your judgmental ass boomer, that, like, but just with all the, just so much wit, so much cleverness with her words, and just, you know, just puts it out there, so honest. And it's unfortunate that Lady Olena did have to die by the hands of Jamie. That's another guy that I, I didn't think I would like. Um, you know, in the early in the series, like Jamie was a full-blown heel, if you will. Like, you know, he was, you know, part of the Lannisters. He was an asshole. He stabbed Ned Stark in the leg and uh, was captured and talked shit to Lady Catelyn. By the way, one of my least favorite characters, Lady Catelyn. Um, but, like, to, to go through essentially a full baby face turn after what season, after around season three, like, and now, like, I, I assume he's heading off to fight in the, in the Great War. I, and he's he's probably he's another good Lannister now, uh, along with Tyrion. So, yeah, just surprising. Overall, I um, you know through seven seasons, a great series. Although you can kind of see a little bit of a drop off, a little bit, and and around the middle of season seven. Although like the uh, the ending so the, the ending to every season has been amazing. Like you know season five, Tyrion killing Tywin. You know heartbreakingly also for me like killing Shay. Like the the only person that he trusted in all of King's Landing, maybe other than Varys. But like to actually have to kill her because she was sleeping with his dad, his mortal enemy. Like that was pretty heartbreaking. And then killing Tywin. And then so what was the ending to season six? Was that the Jon Snow? I think yeah, I think it was, I think it was the Jon Snow. Yeah, like Jon Snow getting killed. Although I I knew that scene was coming, so that one didn't hit us hard. But like that that ending, and uh, yeah, all, all the endings, all the endings this season has been great so far, and um, close to closing it out. So yeah, I'll probably will get back to you guys once uh, everything settles down, or or like you know next time I have a chance to talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'll, I'll, t I'll let you guys know what I think of season eight.
Okay, well, just went on that uh, extra little tangent. Um, overall, I, I don't think it's the end of the world that the Kings lost to the Pacers. It's okay, guys. And, you know, the Kings are now sitting at 5-5, five and five, and they face the defending Western Conference champs in uh, Golden 1 Center on a back-to-back. -back. So we'll see how they do. I assume that I hope they come out stronger than they did this game. You know, it is what it is. Hopefully they win this one because the schedule I don't think gets any easier. Let me just check real quick. Get the schedule. Yeah, Phoenix, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Detroit. <laughs> okay. So never mind. The schedule does ease ease up just a little bit. Okay. Well, uh I'll be coming back to you guys maybe tomorrow. If not, probably like, you know, Tuesday night or something like that. Uh, Fong should be back, hopefully. Uh, I forgot what his schedule's like. But uh, that will do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll catch you guys on the next episode.